Well, if you have a Bible, uh, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read um, the main part of 1 Peter chapter 1, only really thinking about a couple of verses, but uh, it'll be helpful for us just to understand the context of what Peter is saying. So 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to 21. Uh, this is a, a letter written by the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, the Peter who went on to, to lead the New Testament church. And uh, the opening of this letter is beautifully crafted, beautifully written, and um, has a lot to teach us and a lot to say to us. So 1 Peter chapter 1, we're reading verses 1 to 21, and this is God's word to us. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in, in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your <coughs> souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and, and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen. That's a, a great passage, and in it we have the, the, the Trinity revealed. You can see the mentions of God the Father, uh, lots of mentions of Jesus, 
but also mentions of the Holy Spirit. And we're thinking again tonight about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I hope that this series has been helpful for you in terms of your understanding of, of who the Spirit is. Uh, what we've seen so far is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, God is one in essence and three in person. And the Holy Spirit is not a force, but he's a person. Uh, we've also seen that the Holy Spirit is the life giver. He is the one who hovered over the waters at creation. And he is the one who regenerates us and brings us to experience the new birth. Uh, last week, we thought about how the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is the paraclete or the helper who helps us to address our Father in prayer, who helps us as we encounter the world, and who helps us by consoling us and providing us with strength. Tonight, we're going to think about how the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. Uh, we've had this quite long reading from 1 Peter 1, and the, in part of that reading, we've been reminded that we are to live holy lives. So look again at verses 15 and 16. It says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, I wonder, did you look in the mirror before you left the house tonight? Uh, looking in the mirror is one of those things that we almost do on autopilot. We do it without re even realizing or knowing that we're doing it. Uh, it's good for us to remember that God calls every person who knows him and loves him to mirror and reflect his holy character. Just as he is holy, so we are to be holy. Uh, our problem is that in and of ourselves, we are not holy, we are unholy. Yet the Bible refers to us as saints. In 1 Peter 1, the, the beginning of the passage, we're called elect exiles. Uh, the term saint, though, means one who is holy. Since holiness is not found in ourselves, we must be made holy. And the one who works to make us holy, to conform us to the image of Christ, is the Holy Spirit. As the, as the third person of the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit is no more holy than the Father or the Son. Yet we don't speak of the Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit is not so much because of his person, which is holy because he is God, but because of his work, which is to make us holy. It's the special work of the Holy Spirit to make us saints. He consecrates us. The Holy Spirit fulfills the, the role of the sanctifier. To be sanctified is to be, is to be made holy or righteous. And sanctification is a process that begins the moment we become Christians. The process continues until death, when the believer is made finally, fully, and forever holy. Now, many of you will know that well, because you've been versed in the shorter catechism. And the catechism makes a very important distinction between justification and sanctification. So stick with me for a moment. We're going to just talk through these differences. Uh, question and answer 33 of the shorter catechism tells us, that justification is an act of God's free grace in which he pardons our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight for the sake of the righteousness of Christ alone, which is credited to us and received by faith alone. Now, this is how we are saved and deemed righteous in the sight of God. God pardons our sins when we trust in Christ. His perfect righteousness takes the place of our filthiness. 
But notice that the answer says that it is an act of God's free grace. That's the, the key word in that answer. Justification is an act of God's free, free grace. Justification is a, is a term from the law courts. It means pronouncing a person righteous or not guilty. Sanctification is different. Uh, question and answer 35 highlights that for us. Uh, we're told that sanctification is the work of God's free grace by which we are renewed throughout the image of God and are enabled more and more to die to sin and live to righteousness. So justification is an act of God's free grace. <coughs> Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. And it's called a work because although believers make a definite break with their old life, our being, holy is a pro our being made holy is a process. It takes time. It starts when we trust in Christ for the first time and it continues until death when we're made finally, fully and forever holy. Now the, the, the Reformed faith in which we stand is distinctive in its emphasis on the working of the Holy Spirit alone in regeneration. We don't assist the Holy Spirit in our rebirth. The Reformed faith rejects outright any notion of cooperative effort in the rebirth of the believer. Sanctification though is different. Our sanctification is, co is a cooperative venture. It's a joint enterprise, it's a, a joint venture. We must work with the Holy Spirit to grow in sanctification. Uh, Paul expresses this idea in his letter to the church at Philippi. He writes the following in Philippians 2, 13, uh, 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure the call to cooperation is one that involves work we are to work in earnest and to work with fear and trembling doesn't suggest a spirit of terror but of reverence coupled with effort we're helped by the knowledge that we're not left to do this work alone by our own efforts. God is working within us to accomplish our sanctification. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells believers, working to bring about a more righteous life and heart. Of course, we need to be sanctified because of the way that sin has affected us. Sin, sin causes us to incur guilt and, ex and it exposes us to punishment. These problems are taken care of in the work of Christ, particularly the atonement. By faith in Christ alone, we're forgiven of our sins and we're granted the gift of his perfect righteousness. But sin also corrupts us. Although we're forgiven in our justification, the stain of sin remains with us until we're glorified. We continue to struggle with sin, as Paul describes so vividly in Romans 7. The Holy Spirit indwells us to empower us in the fight against sin and to put to death the deeds and desires of the flesh. Importantly, as our sanctifier, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us from the inside out. All, all sin is a matter of the mind and heart before it is a matter of behavior. And we said that on Sunday past, we, we all have a heart problem. But the Holy Spirit works on our consciences, convicting us of sin and righteousness, and moving us to repent. He transforms us by the renewing of our minds according to the Word of God. We study the doctrine and ethics of Scripture so that the Spirit can change our thinking and affections, and over time, that changes our behavior. 
more and more we die to sin and live to righteousness, but we will never attain perfection before we enter glory. None of us can ever say we will be without sin, but by the Spirit of God, we can make real progress in holiness. So the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. Final question, final thought. How exactly does the Holy Spirit empower us for growth in godliness? Well, we've worked through a bit of theology there. We've talked through the catechism. But, but how does the Spirit empower us for growth in holiness? Well, think of it this way. The Holy Spirit is like a light shining into our dark places, exposing our sin and leading us to repentance. The Spirit is also a lamp to illumine God's Word, to teaching us what is true and revealing it as precious. And the Spirit also throws a spotlight on Christ so that we can see his glory and beauty and be changed accordingly. That, that, that's the argument that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Just as Moses had his face transformed when he saw the Lord's glory on Mount Sinai, so we will be transformed when we behold God's glory in the face of Christ. Except we don't just get a shiny, tanny, a shiny tan face. We will grow more and more into the image of the one we see. We will become what we behold. The Holy Spirit's work in our sanctification is directly connected to the amount of time energy and effort we give to the Word of God. God chooses to work in harmony with a book, his book. The Bible, we're told, is perfect, reviving the soul. Christians drink from its words because they are indwelled by God's Spirit and they desire to hear God's voice. And that should result in behavioral changes. God, truth, transforms you as you read, ponder, and understand and obey his word. So the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier and he is actively working to make us more like Jesus. And our part of that process is to search the scriptures and to give time and energy and effort to their study so that we will become more like our Savior. Let, let's pray that that process of sanctification would continue in our hearts and lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is the Spirit who sanctifies us and leads us to become more like Christ. We realize that it is a work of your free grace to make us more like Christ. And we pray that your work in our hearts and lives would increase in these days. We pray that we would become known as people of the book, people who give ourselves to your word we thank you that it's perfect and that it revives the souls, the soul. We pray that you would help us to drink from its words and, and that your spirit would be at work in our hearts and lives to transform us and to make us more like our Savior. Father, we pray that you would search us, that you would expose our sin as we read the scriptures and that you would help us to walk in faithfulness and obedience to you. We thank you again for who the Holy Spirit is. We thank you for his work in our hearts and lives. And we pray again that his work in us would increase in these days. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.